Lori Hybe, Chris Harrington, and Aaron Courtney, three broads, bringing you stories and strategies exploring manufacturing topics that challenge the status quo while laying the foundations for future success. Together with special guests, they'll celebrate what's working and unpack what is not so you can learn, grow, and succeed. You want to learn more about your hosts? Make sure to listen to episode one. Where is the summer going? My goodness, it's like gone already. Oh, you know, here <laughs> in the Midwest, it just right? goes too soon. Sure does. I can't take it, but it's a busy time of year, I think, for everybody, for parents, for us who own gardens, for individuals like yourself who love to be outside and enjoy all the outside activities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's hard to, to know it's coming to an end. Yeah. And, you know, this past weekend, the weather was definitely felt autumn-esque. Yes. But not quite there yet. We still got a whole month, right? Of, That's of right. True summer. <laughs> yes. Um, so we're going to embrace it as much as we possibly can. You got it. I'm looking forward to it. I, uh, saw that we're going to have the warm temperatures. The sun's going to be out. That's what, that's what we need a little longer, a little longer warmth. And yeah, yeah, I'm not quite ready to be in that middle stage of, do I wear pants or shorts or layers? (laughs) You know, I just keep it simple. I'm all about that. That's right. Keep a jacket in the car. Hey, and I just reseeded some areas of the garden. So we have to have sunshine and water yet. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Our awesome listeners today, we do not have a guest and we're actually missing our lovely co-host Aaron, but have no fear. We've got some juicy content for you. Uh, Actually, uh, Chris brought this to my attention. She's been sharing this article um, to her, her peers and network Um, It's from McKinsey and Company called The New B2B Growth Equation. Um, I looked at it and was kind of fascinated, blown away by it. But uh, Chris, why don't you share what, um, to our listeners, what's the article about first and foremost? Yeah, I'm so glad you liked it and are calling it juicy because, (laughs) you know, McKinsey and Company published this article back in February. And uh, recently I got an email from them and it It had the five top articles so far this year, and this article is one of its uh, one of them. So obviously, people are paying attention to it, and and I think for listeners, and of course, we're going to put a link to it in the show notes. So um, if you if you're interested after hearing this conversation and you want to read the article yourself, please uh, go to the show notes and get the link. But you know what they're really saying is that. B2B decision makers are using more channels than ever before to make their decisions. And they really talk about these 10 different channels. And I thought um, that's what's so interesting is the traditional way in which we're doing business, which we all know has been shifting. We all have been talking about Mm -hmm. it. But if you really look from 2016 to 2021, things have really shifted. And um, basically what McKinsey did is they have this pulse research team and they surveyed 3,500 decision makers in 12 different markets. And um, the results is really what's found in the article. And something, you know, that's interesting is that they, they 
mentioned that B2B buyers have settled into using an evenly divided mix of sales channels. And I'll, I'll summarize three that they put in the article because I think it will help uh, listeners as we talk about this article. But there is the traditional channels. So when we talk about the traditional channels, they are in-person, direct mail, fax, Etc. That's really what we're talking about. Who uses a fax machine still? <laughs> I'm generally curious about that. <laughs> You'd be surprised. I know. I These know. B2B <laughs> companies, and some companies still require fax. I was yeah. just talking to somebody about that the other day. Uh, it was in the medical field, um, sure. but it, okay. it's really interesting. <laughs> um, and then they, you know, there's another classification, which is the remote human interaction. So when we talk about re- remote human interaction, we're really talking about phone calls video conference calls, emails, you know, et cetera, that group. And mm-hmm. then there is the digital self-service. Uh, and this is where there's there's been an increasing desire to use self-service. But this is really company websites, e-commerce, chatbots, uh, your internet searches, and mobile apps. So um, what they're basically saying is there are now these 10 different channels and two-thirds of B2B decision makers are using either remote or digital self-service as the channels uh, to help them when they're identifying and considering new vendors, when they are making a first purchase decision, uh, when they are actually ordering, and then when they're reordering. So that's really the bulk of the article and, and really defining for B2B companies what they need to be thinking about with respect to this. Yeah, I love this. So um, I know we've chatted before that I used to teach at the local university B2B sales and marketing. And this was always a really hot conversation um, from a sales perspective. We've all heard this before. You you need a minimum of seven touches, but you don't always have to be the one facilitating and leading and initiating those touches. The touch could be someone landing on your website or reading a review about you. But the more diversified the touch is meaning it's not you calling them seven times in a row, but it's, you know, them having those different experiences with you in email or video calls or Google search or whatever it is. Um, the better the chance or the higher the chance of the conversion actually taking place. So um, omnichannel, which is that diversification and really having multiple channel approaches or different ways for people to engage you and you engaging them is ultimately going to increase the overall um, opportunity that you have. So I yeah. think that um, what I love about this article is that it's reinforcing what has always been, but it's just really leaning in deeper to leveraging technology, you know, right. e-commerce, self, the self-serve and the remote stuff with the video conferencing. And I think that's, that's just the way of the world now. It's less and less of that traditional, um, you know, in-person fax machine (laughs) (laughs) phone call approach. And everyone is really leaning into the diversification and digital transformation, which we've covered a number of times on this show. Yeah. Uh, and, And I love the seven touches. I think, you know, we talk about that all the time that 
um, you need to touch your customers and prospects in multiple areas and <laughs> locations. And uh, it always sounds kind of funny when you say it out of your mouth, but it is just true, right? <laughs> you, know, mm-hmm. you need to reach them in multiple places because that's just the way the world operates today. Absolutely. So I know this show is focused heavily on on manufacturing. We do go broad in B2B because we all service that as well. But what um, in this article do you think is most interesting for manufacturers to learn, Chris? Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the connection of B2B and manufacturers Mm -hmm. because I you know, we at Gen Alpha, we predominantly work with manufacturers and all of them do business in a B2B way. Some of them also do B2C. So, mm-hmm. you know, any article on B2B is so important for manufacturers. And I think um, what this article is saying for manufacturers that is that it's more important than ever before to meet customers where they are on their buying journey. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're a, a manufacturer and you haven't documented what even a customer journey is, you're missing a big step in today's world. And then it, it, it the next step is really to understand how you can reach them in all the different places that they would like to go and where they are along that journey. I think the other thing that I would say for manufacturers, because deeper in the article, um, they talk about, you know, that B2B buyers are clear about what they want and they have these five must do's uh, mm-hmm. to avoid customers switching. And none of us uh, in the manufacturing industry want our customers to switch. So the five must do's, and I think these are really interesting because if we think about these, many many of the manufacturers I know haven't yet uh, adhered to these things. So the first one is having a performance guarantee um, that includes a full refund. Uh, The second one is product availability shown online. And we can talk, we could probably have a whole episode (laughs) of why (laughs) manufacturers are nervous about doing this, (laughs) particularly in a supply constrained environment. Mm -hmm. But you know, more and more customers are saying they want to see product availability online. Um, They want the ability to purchase from any channel. So that's number three. So from anywhere, again, this is anywhere they are, they want to be able to purchase. So if that's using a traditional channel, it's using that remote channel or the digital self-service channel, they want the option. They want uh, the real-time, always-on customer service. Uh, And, you know, I think you know, for many of the manufacturers I work with, they have fixed hours, you know, eight to five, and it's in a specific um, location in the U.S., sure. <laughs> you know, yep. so it, they're not always meeting the needs. And this is where, you know, digital solutions can be always on and provide a level of customer service. This is also chats and the other things that yep. uh, are the potential for them. And then, Uh, The last one of the five must-dos is a consistent experience across channels. So again, if you think about those three, the traditional, the remote, and the the digital self-service, they really want a consistent experience. And what that tells me, you know, and historically, even in my career in manufacturing, I I know this to be true. If If your team is talking to the technical service department, they're talking to customer service, they're talking to sales they really want a consistent experience and they want you to know something about them if they engaged with one 
portion of your company, they don't want to have to re-explain themselves when they're talking to somebody else. So now just think about the additional channels and how much more important that consistency is. Yeah. Well, and I know I've said this before too, but any experience that we have on that business to consumer space that we have personally, we expect that now in the B2B space too. So if we're, you know, on support because our cell phone company's not, you know, there's an issue and then we have to re-explain the issue to the second and the third person we're talking to, we get extremely frustrated and yes. it makes us want to leave that carrier. So it's going to be the same experience on the B2B side of things that um, you want to make it a super easy, smooth experience and you know, expectation from start to finish. Um, I love that. I thought that was really interesting. And what I also find fascinating about those five things is you hear them and you're just kind of like, well, that's obvious. But at the same time, I don't think it's so obvious that people are acting on it. That's They're right. not making a part of their day-to-day function within their organization. Yeah, I think when we look at our own behaviors, we can see that we have these expectations. Sure. But sometimes uh, in corporations, we we control information or we think things are too difficult or challenging and we don't make the steps to meet the same expectations for our customers. And, and I think that's that's been part of the roadblock. So I think just seeing this data and, and they have a list of even more. So these were just the top five. I think the complete list is really uh, interesting and beneficial. So I certainly encourage people to read the article to check out the rest of them as well. Well, one of the things that's said in there is that um, customers are more willing than ever to actually switch suppliers now because um, this is the type of these, this is what they're seeking. And if their current suppliers aren't providing on these five plus items that you you spoke about, um, you're at risk for losing some of your customer base. So, you know, there's, there's already enough challenges in the world today, but the last thing we want is to have you losing customers because you're not fulfilling some of these expectations and needs that your your um, customer base has. Yeah, it's such a great point because this is like a warning, right? Yeah. Um, and as you and I both know, and many uh, of our counterparts out there in the world know, it's really difficult to win a customer for the first time. So you always mm-hmm. want to keep your existing customers. And if you know this is the thing that's going to satisfy them at a minimum, let's start making sure we make that available. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I thought was really interesting, you kind of spoke on it early on when you were explaining the um, the article was that they have a, a nice visual that really showcases the growth and market share that is gained by companies mm-hmm. because of the volume of diversity and the number of channels that they're on. It's just this very straight, um, upward arrow <laughs> yeah. for every additional channel that an organization is on, they have gained more market share at a faster rate. Yep. So it's good it's, for business. It really is. And it's, it's kind of like, well, uh-huh, duh. But at the same time, why aren't we, why aren't we seeing it moving at the pace that the numbers and the data are, are showing that happen? That's right. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, that's the crux of it is that don't not only do your customers want it, they're willing to switch if you don't have it. And if you do it, it's good for business. I mean, mm-hmm. um, that's why I think 
this is one of the number one articles in the last six months is it, it's just that powerful. The information is that important. Yeah, well, and I really appreciate the rule of thirds that it that it fleshes out with that traditional remote and the self-serve. And I think it's really important to separate the remote and self-serve because mm -hmm. I think those have been kind of combined recently. Merged. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Merge yep. is a better word, <laughs> but oh. separating them and, and making it easy for um, the end consumers and just us as decision makers, while we're trying to incorporate this into our business to go, oh yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. Like the remote is different than the self-service and is different than the traditional way of conducting business. That's right. And and again, it's it's important to remember that they're doing different aspects at different times. Mm -hmm. So maybe they're using digital self-service when they want to reorder, but maybe they're using a different channel when they want to order or the quote, who knows, but it, it's to know that um, customers are going to be along this journey in these channels, and it's important to be offering all of them. Well, and, and to know to some extent what stage in the buying process they are at the different channels. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is something that's really important. Someone's doing a Google search, they're maybe in the very early stages of, I have a problem, I need to find a way to solve it. But if if they're just, you know, logging into your, your um, portal and, <laughs> you know, I just need to reorder the yep. last thing again. You know, it's a totally different experience that they're expecting at that time. Absolutely. Yep. And that's a lot yep. of what we do at Keystone Click actually is help map out what that customer journey is from that initial Google search point of I have a challenge to, you know, all the different channels in between and stages and queries of I'm ready to hit the buy button or I'm ready to schedule, you know, get a quote or whatever it may be. Yeah, and I can tell you for sure that that's such a valuable experience. The manufacturers that we work with who've been through a process like that and are now ready to roll out a digital commerce solution are so much further ahead than those companies who haven't thought about that yet or even yeah. documented or written it down. Yeah, it's just fascinating to think about what what is that initial point of whatever thought or action that leads them down this whole journey to mm -hmm. ultimately buying whatever it is that you're selling. Yeah. And if we go back to our, our past guest, Kurt Anderson, you know, mm -hmm. niche down until it hurts, right. Yep. yep. Um, it's so important that even in the search results, people looking for an answer to the problem that needs to be solved that your company even comes up. So there's so much in, in that process. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it gets really interesting. Absolutely. So um, are you hearing similar feedback in the manufacturing space based on what you saw and read in the article? Yeah. You know, what's interesting, Lori, is that if I look back to when we started talking about things like digital self-service 11 years ago, it was a little bit more radical then. You know, people weren't really thinking that this is the way that their customers were going to do business. So more, you know, the large, I would definitely say the large manufacturers were making their initial investments back then, mm -hmm. but it wasn't broadly across many manufacturers and many industries that they were investing uh, in in digital self-service and the other channels that exist. Um, 
Now, when we talk to manufacturing companies, they seem to be more aware, particularly after COVID, mm-hmm. the advancement of the remote and, and how customers prefer remote interaction and the, you know, the increase in expectation of having digital self-service available at different points in the, in that customer journey. So the awareness and belief that they need to get there is something we have seen shift. Mm -hmm. Now, um, we're still seeing too many manufacturers delaying making these changes. So I could go out to hundreds of manufacturing sites today and recognize that they don't have many of these, probably five of the 10 that are mentioned in this article uh, are still not addressed in, in a manufacturing business. So that's the reason, um, you know, for the concern to bring it up, because mm-hmm. I think, you know, you have articles that come out from a legitimate party like McKinsey, and they're the ones doing the research with the the actual buyers to give this information is what makes it really credible. So people inherently know it. They're saying, yes, life has changed uh, after COVID. And then you see the data on it. uh, and, And now it's really getting started in implementing um, the other channels and having that consistent experience for the buyer. So um, I think things have shifted, but certainly we are not there yet. People are not investing in their gut instincts that the, there has been a change. Uh, and I think there is still some reluctance because uh, there's lots of things that have been going on in the world that yep. creates uh, the reluctance. But I also know that manufacturers have a lot of projects that they can work on to to get positive ROI. So they have to figure out where do they invest their money. And I think we're going to find, especially because of the way customers have that easier ability to switch, that this is going to rise up and, and become something of urgency in the next years. It is. It's And I mean, some some manufacturers are leading the way and really setting the example. And it's not just the big guys. There's plenty of smaller yes. shops and organizations that are leaning into this and seeing great success as the numbers even show that the more um, channels that companies are leveraging to have that type of engagement with their customers, the greater market share that they are getting. And I don't know how else we can reinforce the significance <laughs> of that. That's right. That means that if you're not doing it, these companies are stealing, stealing from you. Your business. <laughs> they're stealing That's your right. customers <laughs> because they're leaning into this and they're listening to what the expectations are of, of today's customer in the B2B space. Yep. Yeah. Great way to put it. I, I definitely think all of the manufacturers who have started their journey are doing fantastic. And that's really what they need to do is start because nobody's going to know exactly what to do. Nobody's going to have perfect information. It's really when you get started with any change that you uncover the how uh, in the process of doing it and and iteratively getting better as you go. So uh, certainly what I hope an article like this will do is encourage manufacturers to get started. Um, this is really that warning to them. So without a doubt, I mean, and and the technology is just improving and the expectations are getting greater demand too. I I think the article kind of wrapped up and showed 
that there's a couple of countries that are actually seeing an average of 12 channels, you yes. know, instead of 10. So the U.S. isn't quite there yet, but I imagine it's not far off. Right. You know, so we you, you don't want to be so far behind that it it does it's not even worth trying to resolve it. But now is definitely the time to to leverage these tools and make it easy for that self service experience or that remote experience um, to help make sure that you're capturing that market share. That's right. Yeah, I think this is something that. Uh, manufacturers can have control over. You know, there's so much in the world that sometimes we feel that we don't have complete control. This is something you can control that has a really positive impact on your business. So uh, if you're looking for something that you can have a positive impact now and then in the long term, this is certainly something to get started with. Totally. All right. Thank you so much for bringing this article my attention. It was fascinating to read. We'll definitely make sure it's in the show notes. But um, Chris, let's transition to the fun section of the show where you finish the sentence. I just learned that. I just learned that. Okay. I love this part of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to use an example. I just attended the Advanced Manufacturing Expo in Grand Rapids, Michigan last week. Um, it was a great show. Uh, a lot of interesting vendors. I had a chance to both participate in the conference and uh, in the expo. Um, but there was a speaker. Uh, his name is Eddie Sanders Jr. I'm not sure, Lori, if you know Eddie Sanders, but it was the first time that I had a chance to meet him in person. He is the marketing man- manager for Flex. Uh, want to make sure I get the name right. Flex, Flex Machine Tools. Okay, but he's also the host of a podcast called Flex and Friends. Um, and I just love learning from, uh, you know, marketing leaders who are in manufacturing because this guy is really doing it right. He's cool. got some very innovative ideas and he's brought them into his uh, manufacturing company. And, and I would say he's really a leader in what is next generation marketing, what we should all be doing as marketers, not just manufacturers themselves, but we as, you know, service providers and and other companies as well, even agencies. Um, But he talked about something called the buddy system. So he called it uh, the buddy branding system. And really it is partnering with customers. It can be customers, it can be others. Uh, I wouldn't say it's too different from what you and I and Aaron are doing here on this podcast. You know, Mm -hmm. we're all in Wisconsin. We do different things to help manufacturers. So um, we came together in this way, but they've been using the buddy branding system uh, at Flex Machine Tools with a lot of success. So what they'll do is, you know, they'll create video and content with their customers Uh, you know, basically using the machine tools that they sell. And it becomes um, content that they can use uh, as the manufacturer of the machine tools, but also that the customer can use to showcase how they manufacture quality products. So uh, it's really coming together to brand your, your businesses but creating content together that that helps in that purpose. He also shared a lot of great information on influencer marketing, which uh, for those out there, they've probably heard a lot about 
uh, influencer marketing. If you look at big brands like Nike, um, oh gosh, I'm not thinking of, you probably have a, a whole host of names that use influencer marketing really oh, well. And, and we of, all know it. Lots of consumer facing brands use. Absolutely. Influencers. Yeah. Yeah. And he uh, used some of examples of how Flex Machine is partnering with um, leaders in manufacturing who are influencers in sure. manufacturer in manufacturing and showing off his flex arm uh, machinery and other things and really again having a lot of success. Yeah. So it was a great uh, example of how you know we all manufacturing uh, again all of us can be using these tools and I just love the idea of the buddy branding system and yeah. bringing content that's valuable for everybody. So uh, it, it was just such a great example of how can I bring that back into our business and have some success as well. I love that. That's great. Um, yeah, it's there's a lots of ways to, to kind of peel that. Um, but I'm going to go on the influencer route. So in the B2B space, um, it's more positioned as micro influencers, primarily because it's a smaller audience, but what's mm -hmm. important is the quality of that audience. So I'm sure he's done a fantastic job. It sounds like of aligning himself with individuals who have a loyal audience in, in that space um, and have created a, a buddy system, a partnership of sorts to, to help get the word out around his brand. So that's awesome to hear. Yeah, no, he, he's doing a great job and I just love that. Again, he's a manufacturer, you know, he's a marketing leader in manufacturing and, and he's really doing it. Some of the, the new innovative things that uh, we, we would all hope we're doing in, in marketing. <laughs> That's great. Well, I learned that um, WeWork, which is a co-working space. Yes, um, we work published that WeWork. They have more members now than before the pandemic. Oh, wow. Yes. So in the last quarter, occupancy um, rates rose to 72%. Um, so it's, uh, they have more members, but that doesn't necessarily mean that like the spaces are being filled up, but I, I guess that's a positive sign, but I also have questions, you know, with the <laughs> volume of members, meaning people don't want to work at home, yeah. yet there's all this other data that says people refer, prefer to work at home, you know, so <laughs> just kind of fascinating to me, but I thought that was interesting, um, but a, a positive too, you know, they must be doing something, something right. And um, sure. I know they've done a really good job getting their name out there. And also I, anywhere I travel, I feel like I see a WeWork. I've never been inside one, but I just know that they're, they're all over the place. Yeah. I'm really not that familiar with them. I'm, I'm going to have to check them out, but you know, the, I think the whole remote, you know, what do employees prefer? I think, and leaders uh, of uh, businesses, what do they prefer? I think there's still going to be a lot of, uh, to learn regarding that. It'll be interesting how the research and information continues to be published on what people enjoy and what's the best. I have a yep. feeling it's going to be a hybrid approach. Totally. Yeah. I, I'm finding that personally, I like, I like the hybrid. I like that I'm at home, you know, one to two days a week and in the office three to four days a week. Yep. Um, and I, and it seems like actually no one on my team is in the office five days a week anymore, mm -hmm. but we're in a couple of days and we're all on different days. So it's just, it's <laughs> interesting. It really is interesting. 
Yeah. And I find I, I really enjoy the days when I'm in the office and there are others in the office as well. The larger the team in the office when I'm there, the more rewarding the in-office uh, work is mm -hmm. uh, because that's what you're hoping you get out of it is that in-person interaction. At least that's what I hope to get out of it. And I love working from home as well. So yeah. I certainly love the hybrid approach. Uh, and I did before the pandemic though. So, you know, in fairness, that was something I had already started, maybe not to the extent that we as a business are today, but I certainly sure. really like it. Yeah, definitely makes sense. All right. Well, we definitely missed Aaron on today's show, but oh. it was a fantastic conversation. Thanks for bringing the article to, to my attention, Chris. I enjoyed reading it and definitely enjoyed uh, talking through it with you. You're welcome. It was fun. I'm glad we were able to pull this one in such a relevant topic. And that was what we decided we were going to do with this show, right? Oh, Bring the interesting stuff in. So hopefully everybody promise, enjoys it. Promise all our listeners, we have some amazing interviews lined up. So um, get ready. Lots of good stuff coming down the pipeline soon. Until next it. time. Bye-bye. This wraps up today's broadcast. If you're looking to shake up the status quo at your organization or just want to connect with these broads, visit mfgbroadcast.com. Contact Lori Hybe for your strategic digital marketing initiatives. Contact Chris Harrington for OEM and aftermarket digital solutions. And contact Aaron Courtney for web-based solutions for your complex business problems. We've got a great offer specifically for our listeners. You can find more information about the offers and your hosts at mfgbroadcasts.com.